My name is John Burlett. I currently reside in Rockport, Texas. I wanted to share a little bit about my background as far as real estate and my financial planning practice. Uh, located in Austin, I started buying property at tax sales using a self-directed IRA in 1992. So I'm considered a bit of a pioneer in the self-directed IRA space. Went to the Travis County Courthouse steps and June of 92, had $26,000 in my IRA and met only one other person was at the sale and established uh, uh, Sage attorney in Austin by the name of Walter Winland. So there's two of us, there's 13 properties, only two years worth of back taxes, so pretty minimal opening bids. And he told me, he said, young man, I was about 32 at the time. He said, whenever I bid, you don't bid. And if, if you want to bid, I won't bid. I said, okay. So we bought everything at opening bid. And again, only two people at the tax sale, which, you know, probably only time it ever happened since. Uh, of course, Austin, 90, early 90s. What had happened, there's a community around Austin called Lago Vista, which Stormy actually lives in. And we'll talk about that. But the Japanese had bought the golf course, about 500 lots, the airport, and they got in troubles in the, in Japan. And and so the, the property started being sold. I bought three lots, spent less than I bought one for 1100 and some change, one for 800, two of them on the golf course, one commercial lot. The $1,100 lot, all of them turned out to be a 10 year hold. I uh, sold the commercial lot for 48,000 and some change. So you mathematicians do the ROI on that 10 year hold. Now, moving forward, I 97, I uh, purchased a five acre corner in Lago Vista commercial track for $50,000, held it 10 years, sold it for 503,000 in 2007, right before the, the crash that got you know most of the US. Um, had a capital gain event, reached out to uh, purchase, ended up buying an apartment complex in 2008 in Bridge City, Texas, which is, for those of you who don't know Texas, it's in what they call the uh, triangle, Port Arthur, uh, Beaumont, it's also referred to as the armpit of Texas, not a real desirable place. However, Forbes magazine, the, all the jobs were in Port Arthur. It was actually, I read the article myself, named the second hottest real estate market in the US next to Manhattan, New York of all places, Port Arthur, Texas. So long story short, I bought an apartment complex, 24 doors with six and a half acres to expand. 45 days later, Hurricane Ike, made landfall in that area and the whole city of Bridge City, Orange County, Texas was underwater, including our apartment complex. So it was a, a value add rehab project from the get go. We made out fine because we we're fully insured. It's my first experience with a, a natural disaster. I have uh, had a real estate license for 20 plus years. I have a passion for real estate, but it's not my profession. I had a financial planning firm in Austin uh, focused primarily on safe money, fixed indexed annuities. My clients were, you know, done pretty well with their accumulation stage of life. They were more concerned with safety and preservation, built up a annuity book of business, fixed indexed annuities starting in 1997 as well. And um, this product is pretty unique if you're not familiar with it. It's it, your principles protected. When the market's up, your account goes up. When the market goes down, your account stays up. So it's, it's a safe money vehicle. I had a law firm offer me a chunk of money for my book of business in March of 21, right in the thick of COVID. 
So I sold my book of business and had a capital gain event. I've been hearing bits and pieces about opportunity zones. I decided to do a deep dive into the subject, bought a motorhome off the showroom floor in Las Vegas, Nevada, traveled 17 states looking at qualified opportunity zone locations all over the Southwest, up through the Midwest, up into New York, Pennsylvania, down through uh, the East Coast, looked and had property under contract in Biloxi, did not close on that, came to Rockport, and then uh, I'll give you the brief dynamics on Rockport, then I'll turn this over to Patrick so he can do a little education on, on OZs from a, a legal structure uh, component. But Rockport was an eye of Hurricane Harvey, so 2017, half the buildings in Rockport, Texas were demolished and destroyed. And it's the second home of George Strait. If you call the city of Rockport, ask them to put you on hold, they'll play a recording by George Strait talking about how he loves coming into Rockport, Texas. So it's a, it's a bit of anomaly. 85% of our counties designated low income opportunity zone. And I, after moving here, and being here for a while, I realized it's because there's so many second homeowners who report their incomes in San Antonio, Austin, Houston, and all throughout the Hill Country. It kind of skewed the system because the governor's office, as many of you know, had to designate an IRS certified later in 2018, these census tracts based on 2010 census data, which was kind of old to begin with. But long story short, we have a, a beautiful destination location, 25 miles north of Corpus on the bay. Uh, and it's the number one fishing destination in the state of Texas. So we have acquired some property. We've got a, a ground up development uh, going on that Stormy will speak to here in just a little bit. But regarding uh, opportunity zones, I wanna turn this over, introduce Patrick. He's a securities attorney and a business law attorney based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and ask you, Patrick, to kind of give a, a 30,000 aerial overview of Opportunity Zones. Well, thanks, John, uh, and uh, I'm really happy to be here. I see some uh, faces um, that I recognize from uh, either uh, the tax summit that uh, Liz uh, uh, was good enough to ask me to speak on another topic, um, Qualified Small Business Stock, but this is, uh, this is great because uh, a lot of, as John mentioned, I'm a securities lawyer, I'm a business lawyer. I do a lot of deal structuring around alternative assets, alternative investments, and a lot of tax advantage type uh, 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 deal structures. So opportunity zones uh, fit right into that bailiwick. I had the opportunity to meet John and Stormy in connection with their project through uh, an opportunity zone forum. And there are there are several several out there. If anybody's interested in further networking in the area, um, yeah, uh, just let us know, and we can make those introductions. Um, but um, so um, I am going to share my screen real quick. So qualified opportunity zones uh, came about in the in the 2017 uh, uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And the idea was, uh, and it's been the idea had been studied for better part of eight eight years before that to um, address the challenge of uh, 52 million Americans living in economically distressed census tracts throughout the, throughout the uh, country. And um, they, they tried to design um, a different kind of governmental solution rather than 
uh, handout programs. And so they tried to do it through the tax code. And um, so they came up with um, Regulation Z in the tax code or Chapter Z. And what the Opportunity Zone program does, it's an investor, a private investor incentive, not a tax break or handout um, to private individuals uh, or companies. Uh, and the incentives are based on reinvestment by an investor of a capital gain realized in an unrelated transaction from any source of asset to reinvest that in these economically distressed census tracts, either in real estate development, housing, or in operating businesses. The, um, the investments are geared toward newer improving projects and they must be long-term holds. So they wanted it to make an impact in these economically distressed census tracts. Uh, the incentives are market-based. Investors will ultimately determine how large or small the program is. It's a self-executing program. There's no limit to how many uh, gains can be deferred or other benefits can be realized in this program under the code. Um, in addition, uh, if, if one structures an investment as an opportunity zone investment, it doesn't exclude other forms of tax benefits and economic incentives from, from being um, usable in that investment or in that project. For example, the ones listed here, uh, affordable tax uh, uh, rate programs, uh, uh, job training programs, new markets tax credits, uh, investment tax credits, historic tax credits, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the idea was really, and, and there's a spattering of opportunity zones throughout the country. There's over 8,800 of them. They're in every state and in most states have them in every county. Um, so that's, let me just say here, uh, in my brief conversation, we're gonna talk about a couple of acronyms uh, that I'll just uh, point out here. QOZs, opportunity zones, QOF, qualified opportunity funds, QOZP, uh, qualified Opportunity Zone Property, Qualified Opportunity Zone Business Property, and Qualified Opportunity Zone Business. So if you see these acronyms, they do have a, uh, a meaning, and I just wanted to show you that it is acronym-laden, this space. So um, this is uh, Texas, where John's and Stormy's project is, and you can see the Opportunity Zones in Texas uh, on this Opportunity Zone map. And here is the area in Corpus Christi and, uh, and Rockford, the Coastal Bend area, where their opportunity zones that are uh, that, that hold the uh, Blue Zone Resort are. So um, the, the point of doing the opportunity zone investment, uh, if it's done properly and it's complicated and there's a lot of hoops to jump through because it's the IRS, you get three tax benefits. Um, or you, you had three tax benefits, now you've got two, but essentially with a bonus. The first is a deferral of the gain that was originally invested from an unrelated transaction. Our taxpayer didn't want to pay a gain. Let's say they sold their business and had a million dollars, like John's deal, wanted a million dollars a gain. So it wants to defer that, defer it till when? Well, the tax does need to be paid. Uh, at the end of the 2026 tax year on what the original gain was deferred. So there is a payment of that tax, but it is deferred. Uh, there are ways to manage how to reduce that tax when it is payable in the 2026 tax year that we can talk about in the Q&A. Um, in the original, in the early part of the program, there were two opportunities for basis step-ups. That is a discount on the tax that you would pay 
in 20 in the 2026 tax year unfortunately the way they wrote the timing on that in the uh in the code those basis step step ups are no longer available but the big enchilada here is for an investment that was made taxes paid on that at the end of the 2026 tax year on john's million dollar uh, investment in gain and he invested in a project which he has done and hopes to realize let's say five times uh, appreciation on that original gain and he holds it for 10 years at the end of 10 years he can elect he can either sell the project or elect to take um uh, uh a basis step up to that five times and therefore 4x of that is going to be a gain that will be completely excluded whether he just makes to uh, elects that or he sells the project no more capital gain on that don't have to trade it anywhere it's just gone so that is a really, really big enchilada of a tax benefit that is driving this whole space. From a real estate standpoint, it's really important, sort of the, the, the prize in the Cracker Jack box, is that when you, when you have a, a forgiveness or an exclusion of that gain on the back end after a 10-year hold, there's no depreciation recapture. So the gain is excluded and the depreciation recapture is excluded. So um, that's uh, uh, in in a nutshell. That is the uh, the Opportunity Zone program. Uh, real, real quick. It, as I mentioned, it is complex from a standpoint of, of of understanding the rules and how you've got to make the investment in order to uh, qualify for these benefits. And um, investors have to invest through this thing we uh, QOF Qualified Opportunity Fund. Which can be a private or a public or a public or professionally managed fund. It could also be your own do-it-yourself fund, and then that fund is going to invest either directly in Opportunity Zone property located in the Opportunity Zone or a business that has a nexus to the Opportunity Zone, and the and the business could be a real estate development business. So there is a a, a sequence that you have to go through to make these gains, um, uh, the gain exclusion which you're seeking at the back end possible. Um, I'll just point out, um, I saw Chris was on, was on the, uh, the call here and he and I had this conversation in another call some time ago that, uh, a lot of real estate folks are like, well, you know, we've got 1031s. Um, wh why do we need opportunity zones? And there's actually a slide here. Um, if you can see this, the, the big difference between 1031 tax deferrals, which are great in real estate and, 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 and ought to be a tool in everybody's toolbox as their asset planning and investment planning. Um, but uh, with an opportunity zone investment, the gain and the exclusion um, can that you seek to defer and the exclusion of the gain after a 10-year hold, that um, can be from any source, sale of a business, sale of stock, sale of Bitcoin. It doesn't have to be from investment or trader business real estate. So that's a difference. Secondly, the proceeds of the sale of that, that primary gain don't have to be completely invested and quarantined away from your use. The Opportunity Zone project just says, look, you can you can only invest some or all of the gain, whatever you want, and you don't have to quarantine it. You just got to come up with an amount equal to what you want to defer, fund your QOF within 180 days of realizing that gain, and you're off and running. So that's a big difference. 
And then the other thing is uh, with a 1031, you can't elect to take a basis step up and, and exclude your gain after 10 years, but you can with an opportunity zone investment. So those are really the differences. Again, it's not, uh, it doesn't exclude 1031s, but there definitely is a place for opportunity zone investing. So there's a lot more detail. I don't think I'll go into anything more at this point. I'll save it for the Q&A. But um, I think it'd be important, Stormy, if we kind of roll it into what is an opportunity zone real estate development project slash investment look like from the ground up? Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. And I know that I did this back in November and I've met a lot of these folks through um, through the the, not necessarily the Q and A, but the, the workshop, the uh, the calls that we've been on before, and in the breakout sessions. So uh, my name is Stormy Johnson. I do live in a, a town north and west of Austin called Lago Vista, and our claim to fame is we're uh, a lake community with a drinking problem. So that uh, that can be a little entertaining from time to time. But uh, great little town and area. So my background was is that I had a, uh, well, first of all, I started a small business. I'm, and I'm, I, like I said, I've met a few folks uh, <clears throat> through the Royal. <clears throat> and I started a insurance agency over 25 years ago, over 25 seasons, because I'm also a football official. So everything seasons with my, myself and my wife. Um, and anyway, I had, we had a kind of an issue in 2000 with this. It's a four letter word. It's called well, I'll spell it, M-O-L-D. So in 2000, and I had been in the industry four years uh, in Texas, it came about that there was an issue. And so a lot of insurance companies were leaving the state of Texas, and there's nothing worse than building a book of business. And John can speak to this too as well. And now they've kind of pulled the pulled the rug from, from, from beneath you and saying, well, we're leaving the state of Texas. Well, Clients read the news, used to re read the newspaper back then, right? And there was this big article, Farmers Insurance Group is leaving the state of Texas. So my phone blew up and uh, fortunately and luckily I was able to pivot at that point in time and keep keep myself in business. But in the meantime, I also purchased some real estate. Said, you know what? Real estate is something I'm passionate about. I love to do. So my first fix and flip was in 2000. Wish I still owned that that home today, but with uh, the insurance industry being kind of goofy at the time, I decided to fix and flip and sell, and I and I did really well on that. So that was my first experience of real estate outside of uh, outside of the purchase of my primary home. Fast forward, I did some fix and flips along the way. Then I decided, you know what? Why not buy and hold those, or buy and hold moving forward? So currently, I have two short term rentals. And I actually utilized a 1031 exchange from one of my fix and flips and put it into commercial property. So um, I have that experience in both real estate and the, in the 1031, um, 10, yeah, 1031 areas of, of the tax law. So uh, in 2000, I also got this thing called a securities license. So I've got a series six and 63. I've done day trading pr primarily for my own account. I uh, primarily used mutual funds and um, annuities and um, set up IRA, SEP, simples, you name it. I've kind of done it um, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed working with the clients in that arena as well. Okay. So um, I was fortunate enough in 2021, is that right? Yeah, 2021, 
that I got a nice offer on my book, part of my book of business. And I had this thing called an asset sale. So um, I opted to move forward with the asset sale, make sure I got my date. Yeah. Asset sale and then uh, sold uh, a good portion of my book of business and had a, you know, a sizable, which it was bigger, but a sizable capital gain in December of 2021. So I'd already talked to my CPA and I had done some research and basically he said, you know, write the check for, be prepared to write the check for X, Y, Z. And um, I was like, okay, well, I'll be prepared. So I started doing some research. Uh, one of the pieces of research is now I have a securities license and I need to find a broker, different broker dealer, but also how can I soften the blow on this, on this capital gain? And I, just by sheer luck, coincidence, act of God, I uh, reached out to John on something uh, related to more of hanging my my securities license, and we got talking, got to talking about opportunity zones and what that looks like. So I really had no knowledge of opportunity zones before talking to John. So. Um, and I had not actually I come across John because I was a chamber president out here and he he was a member for a year. And so I knew the name and I knew of tandem and so forth. But I went ahead and started doing a lot of research in addition to that. Um, so I looked across the country. I think I think, Patrick, you made reference. There's only like eighty seven hundred of them out there. Right. So it, I did a lot of due diligence. First of all, what the what the tax ramifications were. Um, also what type of opportunity zones, I was amazed at the, the variances of those, um, some were operating, some were ground up, some, some were businesses and so forth. So I did a lot of research and, and ultimately what it came down to is, um, I put my boots, as we say in Texas, put my boots on the ground and went down to Rockport, very familiar with the area, have a short term rental about 20 minutes from there. And now I always call it the slip, sleepy fishing village and went out there and took a look at it, met John, met his wife. And it really came down to the decision of, hey, I can touch, feel, smell. And, and I like this guy. So why don't and there's a huge trust factor, right? So when you're writing a check to anybody, there's got to be a huge trust factor. In this case, you're writing a check to a fund. So anyway, uh, what I was going to say is. Uh, my wife and I discussed it, and we opted to invest in the Coastal Bend Opportunity Zone in the fishing village of Rockport, Texas. I know Texas very well. I grew up here, went down to the coast, and thought, man, Rockport is a sleeping giant. So uh, we talk about uh, in the world of real estate, uh, location, 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 and quite honestly, John beat the the run um, run up of of, of sand there in Rockport and ground up uh, opportunity to look fantastic. So fast forward, um, John and I can continue to have communications and I decided to come aboard to make this a successful project. I've always, always, always wanted to invest in multifamily or multi-unit. And this seemed to be a perfect fit and a perfect time and a perfect location. And what a tax, you know, what the what a beautiful tax ramifications. Okay. So um, as you can see, there is a picture of Rockport, Texas. And go back up, Patrick. So you have control, right? So just to reiterate, 
the fund overview, overview it's they're created in 2017. And as, as uh, Patrick mentioned, uh, it encourages investors to redeploy capital gains from successful investments into new long-term investments. Um, struggling communities like 8700 have been identified across the country. The fund that John has put together, we have a maximum of 25 million in, uh, initial fund. It's under the Reg D 506C, the Coastal Bend Opportunity Zone Fund, LLC and its affiliates. Does have experience and has invested in over 20, 125 units of multiple land purchases valued over $4 million. I think, John, you made reference to some of those purchases. Uh, <clears throat> The Tandem Trust long-term investment strategy has a history of achieving exceptional and high returns. Now, the one thing that I did come across and I want to reiterate is that it does take a special uh, special collaboration when you're doing a ground-up development. So um, as you can see, there's an art and science for ground-up developments, and that's where we're at. Um, we've identified the four main factors, first and foremost, uh, location which like I said, was the timing was just impeccable. Right place, right time. Second factor is construction process itself. Uh, we're using ICF, not only, from a, uh, not only from an energy efficiency, but also because it is coastal. Uh, cost efficiency is important, local market knowledge. And John lives in the market, lives in the area, knows the market, uh, knows a lot of the, the powers that be. And the ability to work with the local government is also extremely important, which John has got be, become very involved in. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, John. But uh, no matter how to get your project, if you, you can't get it approved, you can't get it done. Uh, there's integration of the design and construction teams, architects, um, general contractors, and obviously uh, a lot goes into it before you even uh, before you pour the slab. Okay, uh, and you want to have a building where people live and work. And we are building out the Blue Zone Resort and Conference Center. Now, I will mention this. Initially, uh, the Conference Center was not part of the plan, okay? But uh, you put enough like minds together and say, hey, you know what? Rockport is about an eight or nine month seasonal destination for folks that live, live and work in the, uh, the Coastal Bend or in the state of Texas. And what's the best way to attract off-season, right? Off-season folks. Well, you, you go after corporate events. So you put in a conference center and you put in, what, 60 doors. So they have a place to stay, have a place to meet. And guess what? They all love to go fishing and play golf. And so the corporate event uh, venue or the conference center um, was put into place. And it actually is part of our name now, but not part of our logo quite yet. OK. All right. So what we'd like to introduce and actually Patrick is going to pull this up um, is the pro forma of the uh, Coastal Bend Opportunity Zone Fund. And we are going to focus on the Blue Zone Resort and Conference Center. So take it away from here, Patrick. I'd like to interject a little bit more there on the area before you go into the pro forma, Patrick. Uh, couple of things that are, are real exciting here to me locally is I was just recently appointed last week to the Chamber uh, Tourism Development Council, and they are the oversight committee that uh, manages the expense, the uh, hot tax that come from the state, and we're really a, a destination location. The population, 10,000 people, we have over 2,000 short-term rental units, so you can tell it's by far a birding community. Bird watchers love to come here. It's an art, dynamic art 
community, the art center, the courthouse, the city hall were all demolished in Hurricane Harvey. I think I mentioned earlier, it was the eye of Hurricane Harvey made landfall here. So there's a lot of federal grant money that's come in to rebuild this community. So the, the characters changed significantly. And our site is three blocks from the bay and nine blocks from the downtown shopping district, art district. Go ahead, Patrick. Okay, John. So um, yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity zone project, but it is um, not unlike, uh, other than the opportunity zone tax benefits, it's not unlike any other real estate development project as, as Stormy mentioned. I mean, especially from the ground up, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of elbow grease that needs to go into it and a lot of know-how and a lot of local knowledge. So, um, but, you know, as in every real estate project, there is a involved um, financial model or pro forma and um, opportunity zone projects are no different. And of course, these, um, these, uh, these pro formas are projections. They're not guarantees. They're not predictions because it, they depend on assumptions. It's an opportunity to illustrate based on some reasonable assumptions what an investor might want to look at as a potential return. And so uh, like, like other uh, pro formas that you've seen, again, with our project here, um, there's, um, there's, a, there's an input assumption page um, that, that uh, uh, we're looking to raise uh, $6.5 million of uh, equity in this illustration. The balance of the project for the Blue Zone Resort will be debt um, in a combination of uh, CPACE debt, uh, which is uh, uh, commercial property assessed uh, energy savings debt. Um, which is, uh, we think, uh, uh, quite um, appropriate in this case, because as uh, Stormy mentioned, ICF construction will realize a lot of energy efficiencies and be eligible for the CPA side of the debt, as well as there'll be some, uh, some uh, just general uh, construction debt to start and then perm debt after that. So, um, you know, these assumptions uh, get put into and a lot of assumptions about John's operating model and construction model and, uh, and, and ramp up of the, uh, the various revenue streams in the project. Um, and those all go into all of the sheets above there. And, um, and then we see um, um, that there are various um, graphs and whatnot that we can see about our revenue assumptions and uh, expense assumptions and how they look going forward over an 11 year hold in this project. Um, we also wanted to make sure in addition to our, our, our pro forma investment or, or uh, income statements, P&Ls and cash flows and balance sheet that we, uh, that we model, uh, again, illustrated returns to investors out of uh, an equity investment in, uh, in this project. And so um, we do provide for that in this detailed pro forma. Um, and I'm gonna zoom in a little bit on this. Um, in an opportunity zone investment, again, we model a, a long-term hold at least 10 years so that we can realize a tax-free exit um, uh, from the uh, project. So uh, again, modeling to equity, six and a half million. Um, we modeled a cash reserve ongoing of 5% of net operating cash. Um, we modeled a, um, uh, a preferred return of 8% uh, 
to the investors on preferential cash distributions until payout, uh, return of the investment. Uh, we modeled uh, on uh, uh, sale or refi distributions because we do anticipate doing a refi or at least applying some debt to the project before 2026 to be able to give uh, a, a refi distribution so those opportunity zone investors have some capital to pay their tax that is due in 2026. In addition, by having some leverage in the project, that will also allow them to take some depreciation um, already in 2026, which will actually have the effect of reducing the amount of capital gain that they'll have to pay on their original eligible gain that they invested in uh, after the 2026 tax year. But John um, had uh, put together in this projection going forward um, on operating cash flow and on uh, sale proceeds um, that the uh, investors rate after uh, they receive all, all of their money back from distributions will continue to be 70% of the project. Um, we again uh, anticipate in, in uh, month 48, a, re a refi of the project. Um, at a, a valuation based on a multiple of, of uh, trailing EBITDA. Uh, and then we uh, have a leverage percentage that we don't want to get too aggressive and crazy on leverage uh, uh, during this interest rate period of about 55% on an ongoing basis of, uh, of debt to equity in the project. Um, when, in terms of sale, we model 11 year hold uh, in this illustration. and. Um, uh, and after that, we uh, illustrate a projected exit at a multiple of five times trailing EBITDA, and, um, and that would be an exit value for the project. So um, with the help of our wonderful accountants who were able to put this together, um, we go through and we illustrate what the, uh, the, sort of the uh, uses of the, of the proceeds of the offering will be, the equity offering, and then um, the refi uh, in year four, and we start generating some net cash from operation in the years that we hold. And then in year 11, we, um, we have a sale event. Um, and so those uh, items trickle down to what we call our, um, our waterfall here and our net uh, distributable cash to the investors, their total distributions, cumulative distributions, and then we can compute on that, again, an illustrated return based on these assumptions, which again, may, may be different. In fact, will be different based on actual results. But um, the project is attractive, um, uh, which is why um, uh, we're excited about it and, uh, and think that it's worthy of a look. Um, we're looking at a uh, uh, investor payback multiple um, uh, from operating distributions as well as exit distributions of about just shy of 4.9 internal rate of return after say, after completion of the project of about 25%. And, um, uh, you know, a, as I said, a, a, a 4.89 um, or 4.9 payback multiple. Now, if we take uh, for an opportunity zone investor, because their gain from the project after their original eligible gain invested is, um, is paid in 2026, if you add back the tax savings on their exclusion of gain from the appreciation of that project, once it's up and cash flowing and is stabilized, then the, uh, the multiple jumps from 
just shy of 4.9 to just shy of 5.7. Um, and that's illustrated in these charts. So, um, you know, there is a bump, um, uh, a very big bump in terms of the total return of the project because of that exclusion of appreciation and capital gain on the back end of a 10-year hold in this Opportunity Zone project. I'll just mention that um, you don't have to be an Opportunity Zone investor investing gain in order to get into a deal like this. In fact, some of the, uh, most of the projects that I see in real estate development and otherwise have both Opportunity Zone tax benefit seeking investors as well as those that just wanna get in the project. Um, as you'll hear in the Opportunity Zone community, Opportunity Zone tax benefits should not be a driver of investment, but should be you know, the prize in the Cracker Jack box, the, the icing on the cake, the enhancement of investment. And so I think that we have that, at least in an illustrated uh, format of what we're able to build at the Blue Zone Resort here in Rockport. So um, uh, in the Q&A, we could take some more questions on that and, and John and Stormy can elaborate, but that's kind of the way we do the financial engineering uh, much like a regular real estate development project, but with a little sweetener of the OZ tax benefits. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Let me add a, a couple of other items that are important. In, in our project, we have several multiple income streams because we have um, a qualified opportunity to zone business that is the coastal band, I mean, the Blue Zone Resort, Spa, and Conference Center. So we have a rooftop lounge. We have a, a more or less a middle to luxury uh, resort with a spa. And the whole concept of Blue Zone is being designed after a city in Morocco called Chefchaouen City, where the whole city is blue. Now, I'll speak to that just a little bit. I proposed to my wife there in Casablanca, and we fell in love with this blue city. And they're thinking there, the Portuguese settled it the place in the 1500s and they thought they'd gone to heaven and they decided to paint all their buildings blue because the skies were blue there. Now the belief is that blue repels mosquitoes and it's absolutely the worst thing about living down here on the coast is these darn mosquitoes and I'm thinking if that's halfway true we're going to have a grand slam on our hands about the repelling mosquitoes. <laughs> so we have multiple income streams. We have from the spa, argon oils, really unique. We're, we're designing the conceptual drawings are being redone. And, and I'll give you an update on our, our permitting process. We've submitted the civil site plan to the city of Rockport three weeks ago. And I uh, expect to have some review and, and permitting issued here any day now on our civil site plan. We've engaged, of course, the architecture. We have uh, MEP and structural People uh, have not engaged them, but we've certainly had our, our bids and we're leaning toward uh, one particular firm to handle that. So progress is being made and we hope to break ground in the summer of this year. Yeah, just one thing I would add, and Patrick did make reference to it, is there is, uh, it, you don't, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, there are definitely, definitely benefits to being a capital gain. Okay. Uh, but I've been approached by folks that have real estate. I've been a folks that approached by folks with a, with a Roth IRA that's pretty much stagnated or maybe even lost some value. And so those are all options as well. So it can be money out of the bank. It could be money redistributed. 
accordingly. So again, like I said, my background was not only in the insurance field, but uh, securities. And um, those are also options in addition to obviously the the uh, the ideal the ideal is the the capital gain of some type. But uh, and one 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 individual said that the opportunity zone is is like a Roth IRA on on steroids or turbocharged. So um, pretty good analogy and pretty ac very accurate. 